everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Book Goodies Author Series of Podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and I'm joined today by Carolyn Bengaro. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Carolyn is an author of a really cute book that um, I would like you to explain. But first, Carolyn, why don't you say hi and introduce yourself? Hi, like she said, my name is Carolyn Bangaro. I'm the self-published author of the children's book, Paolo's Adventures. It's a book that helps children overcome the fear of doctors and hospitals. And I was first inspired to write the book when I was in the hospital recovering from heart failure. And I was terrified of being in the hospital and of doctors. So that's how my story began. Well, and that's really cool that you took something really negative and turned it into something really positive. Um, I've I've been in that situation. I didn't actually have heart failure, but I had, you know, one of those mini heart attacks. And, you know, they come in and they, they tell you one thing and they tell you another. And then there's big gaps of time where they don't tell you anything at all. And... You know, there's people hustling and bustling, and and you really, even as an adult, you don't know how to deal with it. So, um, and then there's the nurse that comes in every four hours, whether they're telling you stuff or not, and just wants to poke you. (laughs) That's that's absolutely how it was for me. So I can't imagine how children could feel. So that's what inspired me to write the book. And I'd never been in the hospital before, and I didn't know how it would be. And it is quite a terrifying experience. And like you said, they're, they're, they're poking you every few minutes. They're taking blood. You don't know. And you don't know. Mm-hmm. From one minute to the next, it was, am I going to have a heart transplant or not? Right. And I ended up not having the transplant and surviving. But I did have to retire, take an early retirement at 31. Mm-hmm. I was a third grade teacher. And I ever so missed my career. So I wanted a turn my life around and find a way I could do that and I was inspired by a cat that was rescued from the organization where I volunteered Meow Cat Rescue in Kirkland, Washington. They just was the same time I was in the hospital they found a cat that also had respiratory distress and a rapid heart rate from a concave rib cage. And he had to have surgery and spend five months in these casts recovering. Oh, and he, yeah. he had to be so brave and trust the doctors and trust the vets. And so I decided this would help, this cat would help teach children yeah. to not be afraid of doctors and hospitals. So I collaborated with a friend that I've known since the first grade. Her name is Betsy Cher, and she's now a wonderful artist. So she did the illustrations, and we created Paolo's Adventures. I love it. Um, And it's really great that because you had the background as a teacher, you know how to reach that that age of of kids where they're, uh, you know, they're very vulnerable and very scared. And, you know, that's the age where they could fall down and break their leg or they could do something that requires them to be in the hospital or something as simple as tonsillitis, you know, Um, and... I love that you used a cat as your main character. I'm a cat person, and for the people who don't like cats, they'll love seeing the cat go through all this horrendous stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can hit you can hit all the demographics, but um, it is really nice to use animals uh, as a 
as a demonstration for kids because they can, you know, if you use a little boy or you use a little girl, you know, then either the boys or girls will attach themselves to it. But if you use a generic animal, um, then everyone can associate with it and identify with it. Um, now, did you decide to, did, when you were thinking about publishing it, did you immediately know that you were going to self-publish, or did you try to go the traditional route? What was your decision process there? Because I was still so ill and I didn't have a lot of energy, I decided to immediately self-publish and not even attempt the traditional publishing route. Okay. Traditional publishing takes a lot of energy and time and patience and I, I was at home and I I just decided I want to do this whether it's traditional or self-publishing and the fastest route for an author that is not known yet I can tell is being self-published because even though there is a financial investment you will get published and you can get your name out there very quickly right and you know like you said, you want to find out if this is going to be successful so you can start on another project. And uh, you have learned the lesson along with, you know, a lot of others of us that life's too short. I don't want to wait a year for to see my book in print. I want it in print now. <laughs> that, was, that was part of my thinking was because at the time when I came home from the hospital, my heart was only at a 10% efficiency, which it's supposed to be about a 55 and it was still up in the air. Would I need a defibrillator? Would I need a transplant? And I absolutely, just like you said, Deborah, life's too short. What if I need a transplant? I don't make it. I, I want to know this book is out, whether I make it or not. So that was my um, need for the, the rapid release yeah. of the book. Now, how, what did you, did you use, like, Amazon, KDP, and CreateSpace, or what was your, who did you use? So, it's, it's self-published through Book Publishers Network in Bothell, okay. here in Washington, and so it, it was a great company because she has, Sharon Har, the owner, has connections to PR people and distributors, so okay, I've got good. a distributor, his name is Eric Coral. And he links me up to Amazon, mm -hmm. so my book's on Amazon, and also to Partners um, If authors don't know, they're getting out there, you really want to be on Partners West and Ingram, because that's the company that all the major libraries, Barnes & Noble, bookstores, they all order your books through those two main um, book distributors. Okay. And that was Partners so, West and Ingram. Yes. Okay. I'll make sure we put that in the show notes. So, and the way to get hooked up with those is through someone who knows the people that can can get you in. So you get a distributor. You you have a distributor, yeah. and so it's a long chain of people. But that is the way the industry works. Is it's 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 never just you marching down to the library with a box of books and then buying it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> They order, it's ordered through a company which goes through your distributor, so um, it, it is passed along the way. And that was something I had to learn. I, I didn't know when I first started. This is all a new career for me as of just a year ago, and I'm learning along the way. Well, and that's, 
you know, I mean, for a lot of people these days, you're an entrepreneur. You know, we um, have seen changes in almost every industry, and the advances in technology are helping. Um, but there are still some things that you need to know that are not out there readily available for other people to know. And, you know, just like this little nugget about, okay, yeah, you can do the the Amazon and print-on-demand thing, but you need to have a distribution channel. And if you aren't going to go out there and you don't know all these people, then it's better to have, um, you know, a small press like what you used so that they can um, help you along the way and get you where you want to be. Your book, you absolutely want it in libraries and in schools. So you need to find out the people who would hit those um, audiences for you and make those sales. Mm-hmm. And speaking of technology, uh, it is very wise, I think, to get on Facebook and or Twitter today, have a page for your book. Mm-hmm. It, um, a lot of people aren't going to see it unless you have some kind of social media connected to it. I don't have a Twitter account because I don't really know how to use Twitter and I'm not really into Twitter. I know some authors that do really well. I'm a lot more into Facebook. I like Facebook because people can post pictures of their animals on my page. And I'm also um, connected to Meow Cat Rescue on Facebook. So we trade pictures back and forth and I put pictures of Paolo the cat, this follows a real cat on the Facebook page and all of the events I go to I post pictures and I now have almost a thousand followers so it can grow pretty fast once you you spread the word out and one way it did grow was if you have over 300 followers on Facebook sometimes Facebook will send you free advertising so I did get some free advertising and that helped a lot yeah, it's always good to watch out for the promotions for those uh, things because that's, uh, that, that is a really important way to be able to grow your following on your page. When, when Facebook gives you those uh, promotional um, coupons or credits, don't go and try to send them to your own website or send them direct to Amazon because you're not going to capture those folks if you do that. If you keep them right within Facebook and you say, hey, you know, like my Facebook page, then your followers will grow, which means you can um, then market to those folks and from there try to get them to go to your website or to your book page. But if they aren't following you on Facebook, they're not going to find you among all the, you know, millions of pages that are out there. So I have found that's where... um, that's where the free credit helped for me a lot. I have a, a book page there, and they gave me the credit, and um, I went from 200 followers to over 600 followers in that particular account. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because then, then you know you're talking to people who want to hear you. You know, they didn't click on an ad and join your page just you know to win something or get something because there wasn't any incentive other than here I am. If you like what you see, click like. So Absolutely. That's, and they only give you a short amount of words, so you have to be concise. Yeah. So uh, my, my opening line or my little short advertising word was, have you ever been afraid of the doctor? Well, Paolo the cat can help you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of a thing, if you open with a question, and that's my other big, big thing I've just recently learned, is when you open with a question, it hooks people right away. Mm-hmm. So 
that's my one piece of advice that I've I recently learned is how to how to catch people's attention quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ask them a question of something you know that everybody's afraid of, and then answer it and give it a give it a solution, and then people will be, oh, okay, all right, yeah, I think I will pick up this book and you know give it a shot, or you know my 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 baby's going in for tonsillitis and your baby's 12 years old and you're you know you can buy a book to help explain you know how things are going to be or some other type of you know either elective surgery or emergency surgery i would also think that you you would want to be in hospital gift shops if there's a way to get distribution into those because you know there's a lot of parents that when their child is in the hospital i know i did you go down into the gift shop to see if you can find something else to distract your child um, you know, you don't want to go out and go to the bookstore or, or whatever. You just want to stay within the confines of the hospital so you can easily get back to their room. And, you know, you want to find something for them to do. And uh, so I don't know if you can add that to your distribution guys list as places you want to be in or, you know, if you can try to make some contacts with the local. Usually the gift shops are run by the ladies' auxiliaries. You know, see if you can find some uh, some inroads to the ladies' auxiliaries for your local hospitals. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I have visited Children's Hospital in Seattle, and I did a reading there, and it it, did, it just broke my heart watching these children going through cancer mm-hmm. and other diseases. I, you know, I don't ask them what they have, but in the the parents it just it's just the look of despair on the parents' face is yeah. So it was really a gift to be able to go and read the book to them in their. They have a really neat playroom, and so that is a good idea. And I should look into getting into the gift shops. But one thing I do have on my web page is a way you can buy, order a book, and I will send it to Children's Hospital signed. So there is a way to donate a book to Children's Hospital. Okay, that's my awesome. Website. That's that's really awesome. And um, that would be that's great. And doing readings in the various settings is a great idea if you have the energy for it. Now I know you specifically said that you you know didn't have very much energy, so you're going to focus your um, your distribution efforts and your you know reach outreach to readers is going to focus more online than off. I would think. Not anymore. I have, since last September, since the book came out, which was a year after I got back from the hospital, my heart efficiency is now almost completely back to normal. So I really, by the miracle, almost had a complete recovery. And I I go to book signings, I go to the hospitals, I go to schools, I can do whatever I want now. Okay. So it was it was just when I was first starting to write the book, which is right in January two thousand eleven. Okay. Very there I couldn't get out then. Right. And then did you have a professional editor go through your book or did you, was it basically you and the illustrator? I did have a professional editor, yes. Um, that's another service through Book Publishers Network is the entire production of your book. It's a graphic, there was a graphic designer, editor involved to create it, and then once it was created, she's got a printer that she goes through. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an all, it's a full-service company. Okay, good. Well, I know that's uh, one place that a lot of people who... Um 
may go direct to one of the print-on-demand places would do is skip the editing process. And um, I'm finding more and more that that's something that shouldn't be skipped, no matter how good you think you are or how how wonderful your family says the book is, you know, that they should uh, have a fresh pair of eyes that doesn't know you look at your book because you can project into when you're reading and your family and friends can too, they can project your personality in and they know what you meant to say. And um, another woman I, I interviewed said that the brain is a wonderful editor because it'll like, it knows you wanted to say something a certain way. So when you read that passage again yourself, it sounds just right. Even though when someone else may read it and it doesn't sound quite so right. That's absolutely. That's, there was a huge mistake I caught. It was because Paolo was in a litter of kittens, and I, I, it was four cats, and I kept saying, they were, let's see here, they were Paolo and one brother and then two sisters. And I kept saying Paolo and his brothers and sisters. Well, he only had one brother, and I yeah. kept missing that. And that's a huge mistake because he doesn't have brothers. He has one brother. Right. So, I, my mom never caught it, and I never caught it. And my mom is a really great writer. So, it's. I think it's like you said, it's projecting. Well, she meant to say brother, not brothers. Yeah. So, then, I can tell you there was one huge mistake made in the book that I had to go through back to every word and find every time I said brothers and change it to brother. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, if I'm reading it and all of a sudden you say he's got brothers instead of brother, I'm like, okay, where's the other cat? You know, I mean, I'm the, I'm the type mm-hmm. of person that would pick up on that and say, but wait, there there was only one and now there's more than one? Where are they? <laughs> because you're the fresh pair of eyes. Like yeah, the so fresh pair of eyes. I absolutely agree with you. Do not skip. If you're, self, if you're self-publishing, do not skimp on having an editor read it. It, you need the whole. You need a graphic designer. You 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 want it done right the first time because it is a financial investment. And plus, it's so. your it's your your entry into the world of being an author, and you don't want it to be less than perfect. And then have people. Oh, I don't want to buy anything from her because you know I read mm-hmm. the first one and it was you know eh, eh. you know it wasn't quite perfect. That's right. So. Because this next, I've written my next book, um, A Tale of Two Kitties, and I'm trying to now have that traditionally published. So I do have links, and sometimes I will send off in my query package a copy of my book. Mm -hmm. So that does say what kind of an author I am to begin with. Right. As self-published. So, yes, absolutely. You want to start out on the right foot because... You never get a second chance to make a first impression. There you go. And it's especially true in the very competitive world of uh, book book publishers. Now, we've been talking about the fact that, you know, traditional publishing sets up some specific barriers and they're like the gatekeepers of old that, you know, only the good books got past them. And now with the ability to self-publish or indie publish, you know, the gatekeepers have now become your readers. So instead of saying the gatekeepers are gone, people need to, authors need to understand that now they have even a, a bigger taskmaster, which is the readers. Because if you put something out there 
and you start getting a lot of negative uh, reviews on it, you're sunk. <laughs> you might that's, as well have been, right. you know, you, um, and everybody gets good and bad reviews, but if all you get are like scathingly bad reviews and then you look at the book and you're like, oh, oh maybe they were right a little bit, but even just the fact that all of that is out there, you know, can, can really... Uh, make you decide to work under a pen name and start a new line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. And with the social networking, you said you've used uh, Facebook and Twitter. What Have you used, like, Goodreads or any of the other book-related social media? Not yet. I haven't ventured into those waters yet. Facebook has been, Facebook and my own website have been successful enough so far that I haven't felt the desire to venture out, but I definitely encourage people to use those websites that are book-related, and I also can tell you Facebook has pages that are just also book social networking, like there's one called Books to Go Now that I belong to. Mm-hmm. There's, it's a Seattle-based one. There's all kinds of them. And so that's another avenue to go down. Yeah, I had started when I was doing free Kindle days on some of my short uh, photography books. I had looked on Facebook for, you know, free Kindle, and there's like a million pages that you can post to, and some of them only have 10 or 15 followers, and some of them have thousands of followers and some of them uh, are very cooperative and others you know when you post your free book it's like gone within 10 minutes so you know you have to kind of go through and decide which which ones you want to be on and I did notice I'm starting to notice now more um, author support groups so that's really important too and I have a couple of them a couple of Facebook groups myself that are for author support so um one of the things I'm seeing that, you know, maybe maybe traditionally published authors do this as well, but one of the things I'm seeing is a groundswell of indie and self-published people that are um, finding themselves groups to work within so that they're doing group promotions and, you know, they're doing social media together as a, a way to drive traffic to everybody. They're using each of their individual clout we might as well say, or their individual networks to uh, rally together to push out each other's books. Absolutely. That's, I do love working with other authors, and I, I've seen authors that like working with others and that don't, and I don't understand when people want to just compete and not work with other authors. One way to get your word out there and to grow is by collaborating with other authors. Um, I I love doing that, and I, I love getting together with them in the analog world. Sometimes you like to physically, you know, sit down and talk about writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some several um, authors getting started in the writing world, and I get so many great ideas that I never would have thought of by collaborating with them and cross-promoting. I'll put their book on mine, they put, you know, and we do interviews across, and, you know, just sharing in that can really help yourself grow. Mm-hmm. Yep, because you're leveraging a lot more than just your own fans, and you're finding new fans, and even with books in the same genre, your world is going to be different from somebody else's world, 
And it's not an either-or decision that people have to make when they go book shopping. I can't tell you the number of times I've walked into a bookstore or gone to Amazon and with the intention of buying one book, and I came out with ten. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You, you don't have to worry about it being an either-or decision. You know, kids when kids are in the book section of a, of a bookstore and Mommy says, you can just pick one book, and then they bring over three and... Okay, you know, I mean, it's just, it's an impulse decision to buy, and it's, you know, if you if you think your child's going to be interested in it, you're going to buy it for them. It's just bottom Absolutely, line. Absolutely, because it's an educational expense. It's not a, a new toy. Yep. And something they can have forever. Um, I can say that I've tried the e-publishing for my picture book mm-hmm. on uh, iBooks, and it has not done anything. And my experience is that um, children's books ha- really, in my opinion, don't do well because with a picture book, you need to hold it. Children need to hold it in their hand, turn the page, and see the big, beautiful illustrations. And on the computer screen, it, it just doesn't come, it gets shrunk, shrunk down, and it just doesn't look the same. I think people that have novels do really well on ebooks. So mm-hmm. what I always say about, to go on about um, using the Internet and websites is, is that that works, novels work really, really well, and I've seen people do really well on ebooks. Well, and part of the point there is that a novel you normally read once and then you put it up on the bookshelf and maybe 10 years later you'll pick it up and go, oh, this was a good book, I should read it again. Whereas children's books are hopefully going to be handled like every day. You know, when a child hooks onto a book, they may ask their parents to read it to them, you know, three or four days in a row and then they might sit down with it during the day without their parents around and take the book down and start going through it. So um, kids have a lot more interaction with a paper, uh, a a soft cover book than they do with an electronic book. Although there's a lot of kids playing with iPads now, but that still doesn't replace real books. No, I I don't think so for picture books. I think so for young author chapter books. Right, and again, you're hitting a different demographic, yeah. yeah. So that's just, it's just why my last little piece of um, internet computer advice for, for picture books versus novels and use of websites. Well, and that's a really good point, and it goes back to the fact that, you know, you need to do readings in front of kids in a hospital or at a library or in a classroom. And, you know, they don't want to see you reading off of your iPad. They want to see you reading an actual book that they can, you know, look at and pass around and touch. And, you know, it's that kind of world. It isn't the world of the book just goes in, the, in somebody's iPad or computer and gets looked at. Um, but as soon as the kids break out of, you know, get into middle school, then they're all into their reading on their devices. So it's good to know where the dividing line is. Absolutely. All right. Um, if there was, if there was something that was just starting out, that was, um, you know, an aspiring author, what advice would you give them? My one piece of advice that I've recently learned is, write. You have written your first book, whether you want to traditionally publish it or 
self-publish it, get it out there, either either get it out there self-publishing or maybe uh, put a query letter to 25. I put my query letter for my next book out to 60 to 70 top, um, agents and publishers, but then immediately start writing your next book. And then you and then get that try and get that out there, and then your next, and then try and get that one out there. Even if they're not published yet, keep writing your next and your next. Because what I've learned is, I'm writing volume after volume. If volume three is picked up, what they're going to do is they'll pub, they'll go back and publish your other books. They they'll say, oh, he she has these other books that haven't been published yet, and this other this one book that we found is so great. So don't just write one book and have your head buried into that one book for the next 10 years trying to get it out there. Keep going. Keep moving ahead. And eventually something will happen. I think that's perfect. The motivation is there. Um, some people only want to do one book, but not from most of the writers I've talked to. Yeah, they're working on books two, three, and even four. And once the creative juices are flowing, don't stop them. And again, not to be corny, but you and I both know all about the life is short. And if you don't tell the story, it may not get told. So you want to at least get those ideas out there. Um, so that if even if you aren't the one that finishes them, you know, the illustrator knows what she needs to do. And, and she can help get things finished and, and get the ideas and the concepts that you're trying to um, include in your books. Um, out there that's right yeah um well this has been a lovely um interview thank you so much for your um for taking time out of your day and as a cat person i love that this is a cat book that is showing kids something important and um, I guess the one last the one last thing I want to ask you about is uh, how are you marketing your book? Because yes, you have a distributor, but what are the things you're doing? Is it mostly Facebook, or is it? I guess you kind of answered it already. You're doing a lot of readings. You're you're visiting. What do you think is the best way to market your book? What are the things well, you're I doing? Do I do believe you need some help with, with PR. I do, what I did is I did the least expensive route for self-publishing in the PR division. I, I met with a team, uh, it's called Excedra, what are they called, Excedra Publications. They, there's two, two ladies I met with, and what they did was they gave me a disc that had tons and tons of contacts. The contacts were radio, television, newspapers, bookstores, libraries, all their in emails and phone numbers and names, contact names. And then they also um, created what's called a press release for me. And so I took my pre the press release and I just keep going around and around and around to all these places and sending it off and, and seeing what comes back. And I've so, so far, it's worked really well. I've had a lot of book signings at bookstores, newspaper articles, radio. A few, I've been on um, Chat with Women 1150 radio, and then I've been on, let's see here, I've been on Como News. Just last week, I was on Como for 4 o'clock news. Uh, I've been on King 5's um, uh, New Day Northwest morning show and 2.13, uh, 5 o'clock news. 
Well, so, that's awesome because it's all local, but then it'll spread. That's right. That's exactly how it works. Yep. And it's awesome because you had a different hook. You know, I mean, you had a you you didn't have the average not to put down anybody who writes novels or whatever. I'm just saying that you had a specific hook that was a little bit different from somebody else's children's book. And that's why you were able to get all of this publicity. Um, And you were the one who went out and got the, you know, you sent out the press releases. Someone else may have a book that is wonderful, but the news outlets never get to hear about it. So that's that's equally important to know that... um, like you said, don't bury your head in your book for ten, you know, for ten years just trying to get the one book out there. But don't neglect your opportunities either. Uh, so you have to strike while the iron's hot. And as I was getting my Paul's Adventures Volume One out there, I, I was writing Volume Two and at the simultaneously writing query letters to um, agents and publishers. And now I'm that was a month ago, and so now I'm writing Volume Three, as and as I'm simultaneously also still promoting Volume One. So it's just it's a big cycle and it's a big circle that goes round and round and round and round, and you never just dump Volume One and never think about it again. You keep coming back to it, but as you keep coming back to it, you're moving forward. That's great. That's great advice. And um, what one of the biggest questions that gets asked in any you know traditional interview is, so are you writing another one? And you can absolutely answer that with, yes, this is going to be a series. And, and that makes people happy knowing that they discovered a new author that has this wonderful series of books instead of, oh, it's a one-hit wonder, um, which those are fine, too. It depends on your goals as a writer. But, you know, for you, you want to get the story out there to as many people as possible. And, you know, the story's going to keep going. So, I love it. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your time this afternoon with me. Um, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And then my I have a Facebook page, Paula's Adventures Facebook page, or website, paulasadventures.com, also on Amazon. If you go to Paula's, type in Paula's Adventures, it'll pop up there, too. Awesome. And for those of you that are listening through iTunes and you're not right on our website, please go to bookgoodies.com, B-O-O-K-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com. And you will uh, be able to do a search for Carolyn and or for Paulo, and he will show up in this podcast. Will show up in the search results, and you'll be able to leave us comments. Let us know if you enjoyed the podcast. Ask us what things you want to learn more about. Um, something that comes to the pop, top of my mind now that I'm wrapping up is: Was it difficult to use a cat to project human emotion? And maybe we can do a separate podcast about that down the line. Um, And also, we want to invite you, while you're at bookgoodies.com, to go up and click on the Contact Us and let us know if you want to be a guest on our podcast or just use the regular contact form to let us know what you would like to hear about. And uh, we also want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting us. 
And uh, as always, we want to thank you, our listener, for listening. And I want you to get out there and get writing and have a great day.